Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Len from Miami. And with me... I'm Logar, the Barbarian. Hello, Logar. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm just over here worshipping Crom. <laughs> <laughs> and Logar, what are we talking about today? Uh, so we've been talking, we wanted to talk about different genres of, of, of role-playing games. And I think we decided that D&D itself is even, in fact, a genre, perhaps? I think it's going to be hard. Anybody would be hard-pressed to say that's not the case. D&D, at least in what we're, we say D&D right now, anyway, what we're talking about is sort of your 5E, even 4E, 3, 5 is kind of the middle it's an adolescent stage, but like when you think of D&D right now, yeah, I think it's its own genre. What do you think? So I'm, I'm looking at Dungeons and Dragons and as a genre, it, it is a very unique form of fantasy that incorporated certain things from literature that were not related at one point in time. It kind of made its own little thing where it's just a hodgepodge. Now, that may be classic D&D more than modern d and I'm going to be 100% honest. I ran some Pathfinder and I ran 3rd Edition when it first came out in the year 2000. Never ran 5th or 4th. And, and uh, I, I'm probably not the best person to talk about modern editions of Dungeons and Dragons because I'm not knowledgeable on them. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed a lot. Classes and races that are expected in newer editions are very different from the ones that I'm used to. There's definitely like a lot of things that are staples of D&D &D that I'm not as familiar with now in the new stuff. So I'm not, there's been a change. <laughs> I put that change at the year 2000 when the release of third edition and the OGL and the launch of that there's also at the same time like video games were impacting cultures and genres and stuff a lot anime was not in the 80s what it is now like back then when I heard about anime it was like Robotech <laughs> it's like it was much better was because really we had cool. bubblegum crisis don't yeah, you bad mouth bubblegum crisis on this podcast <laughs> I don't bad mouth anything. <laughs> I bad mouth but, a few fascists, but that's <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's, that's that's good. That's good for sure. D and D. I think D and D started as something, and I think old D and D is a different genre than sort of new D and D. You may be right. It may be in two thousand with the release of third edition, or it, it, again, it may be that third edition was this sort of tweener stage. You know, it had it had its awkward stage. Yeah. Uh, and then now it's something else because when you think Dungeons and Dragons now and you look at the rules and again, you're looking at, well, what's the setting? You may not have a specific world, but the artwork and the choices you can make, there's certainly some setting implications baked into the rules. You know, and if you look at the sort of larger zeitgeist of D&D, those implications are still being talked about, about whether modern D&D seems to be very cosmopolitan. You know, the world you know, most folks, there's certainly an implication that literacy is common. And if you look at the artwork, it doesn't feel very like dirty, dark ages, medieval. It feels almost Renaissance, certainly pre-Renaissance. And there seems to be a lot of magic substitute for technology. The world feels actually more familiar just with magic in, you know, there's magic shops. Yeah. Where, you know, all that sort of stuff. It feels very familiar and almost contemporary. 
Well, I think the most contemporary world in that respect, there's other contemporary worlds that tend to lean into the OSR. So they try to mimic older styles and kind of stick with that that I'm familiar with. But as modern ones is the inner sea world, and I think, which is Pathfinder setting. I think they call it something else now, like Lost Omens, perhaps, or something. It was Galarian is the name. Galarian is Galarian. Yeah. I think they were calling it like there's, the, like, there's always, like the inner sea guide and stuff yep. like that. It was kind of like, but the world itself was Galarian. I, I'm familiar with that and an amount of the lore in the world building because I ran Rise of the Rune Lords. I got into some of the uh, supplement books and really enjoyed it. Hey, Paizo is really good at that world building and this stuff. Paizo's got some amazing stuff. You can't talk trash about how the, the quality of their, their art and stuff. It's just different than some of the stuff that used to exist. And I think that it is kind of in a different realm of fantasy than some of the older stuff. I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. I think D&D was influenced by so many other things. D&D influenced, and for that matter, all but created a whole bunch of other things, including video games. Um, and then those video games turned back around and influenced Dungeons and Dragons. The most obvious sort of time you see that is the creation of 4e which seemed felt very much like an attempt to take world of warcraft and and the other mmos and put them to the table and while that may or may not depending on your opinion have worked perfectly well you can see how it, things then started you know the snake started eating its own tail and and what you have now is this sort of amalgam of what it was originally what it created and then what it took back from them you know, you just described uh, the dialectical process. I think we're getting into a discussion about Hegel now. Didn't we talk <laughs> about the fact that we were going to get college credit for this, I think? So. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, 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 the feeling of the world right now in D&D, and again, obviously there's different settings where you can use, we're not saying you can't use 5E rule set for a variety of different things. Of course you can. There's a bunch of fantasy and sci-fi games using the 5e rule set there's going to be a sort of d20 modern version of now 5e rule set coming out soon so so you can use it for a lot of things but when you say D D specifically and also we're separating rule set from genre we had Precise. talked about so yeah. there is a genre that comes with dnd like AD&D, going back they had a lot of different settings and they tried to change up the genres you can play there's like like some of those settings made the third edition stuff there's a lot of different like dark versions i think they did a dark sun and a forgotten realms and ravenloft all made it there ebron was the first one to pop up which is i guess like a kind of, ebron's kind of a steampunky type of thing perhaps Eberron is kind, you know, funny enough, I sort of feel like, I certainly could be wrong, but I feel like Eberron in and of itself, not all settings are Eberron, but Eberron is all settings in modern D&D. And by that, I mean, Eberron really will willingly jumped into this whole thing of taking D&D and making it pulp adventure, as opposed to medieval fantasy. So it was there steampunky and you had steam trains and there's a lot of, it's supposed to be like a World War II sort of feel to it, this noir setting just in the world of magic instead of the modern world. And I think a lot of stuff from Eberron kind of leaked this sort of more cosmopolitan feel of it. The fact that they're none of the monsters were evil, different there, the monsters are different cultures really and different peoples and you could play, you know, you could even the elven necromancers were good guys because of the way they interfaced with their honored dead 
it turned a lot of the sort of assumptions on its head. And I think the assumptions being turned on its head from classic fantasy is now almost an essential element of this cosmopolitan pre-Renaissance 5e genre. A couple things I want to point out, like half dragons and tieflings made their way into like the main body of your choices for races which those like the only time i had ever seen a, a tiefling was in planescape and it was specific to sigil that's the name of the city right sigil it was kind of a very niche thing that fleshed out that setting there and gave that its flavor of like the different planes and gods and hells and stuff like that so it was very much baked into that it wasn't like something tieflings weren't everywhere it was a very rare thing to that to create that as a part of creating that feeling and there was another race in there too for a player character and i can't remember what they were called but i haven't seen them surviving <laughs> in the popular that sigil was a very that that setting the planescape setting was a, a unique setting in that it was very different than anything D because it seems pretty clear that it was their answer to the popularity of world of darkness at the time so there's this big push at that time with the vampires and werewolves where you're playing monsters and where the monsters each have their own kind of class or group and they fight and kind of compete amongst themselves when you look at a uh, planescape through that lens it seems pretty clear and i've heard this secondhand that this might that, that i might that this is correct that this may have been tsr's sort of answer to that of like you want to play that kind of game you could still do it in good old DD, &D, and here's how and where you do it in yeah the factions were a big i never even put that two and two together there i never never dawned on me like it's just a light bulb went off right now on <laughs> air <laughs> like oh you're right it is it is white wolf for D and D. It was it was a neat approach. Different genre, but there's that genre. We can talk about that genre and, and the pros and cons of what it brings to the table. But you can tell very clearly what they were trying to bring to the table because you knew who they were competing against and what kind yeah. of gameplay. You know, but but let's talk about five E and so <laughs> what are some of the strengths? What are some of the things that five E the five E Dungeons and Dragons setting does well? What does it bring to the table? Why would you want to play you asking in that me? setting? Yeah. So I, I'm gonna be honest. I played in like two or three games of fifth edition when it first came out and someone else ran it. I don't really have much of a grasp of what's going on with fifth edition. I will say that it seems to me from the outside that one of the big things that, that is a central focus for fifth edition and Pathfinder and third edition is that you have lots of different varieties of things to play and, Sometimes I just don't I, like I'll hear character classes like when I was running Pathfinder, I had no idea what the classes were. Some people were running, but I'm not trying. But there's a lot of different things you can choose from. Options. Um, and there's very player focused um, when it comes to the books and you being able to choose and have more books for the yeah. players. A game setting, a genre that's medieval fantasy, right? but that's very cosmopolitan, that gives you lots of choices, lots of choices of your classes, lots of choices of your races, and doesn't require you to be one way or right. It very intentionally removes that sort of essentialism that is baked into classic fantasy like Tolkien, where like all elves are one way and all dwarves are another way, right? There's a big push to sort of remove all of that and give lots of choice and lots of variety. And, and that's, probably a good that's a good fun thing right like you know playing in a world where 
you are you. And the fact that you're a dwarf or an elf or whatever doesn't define you and allows you to be whatever kind of character you want to be. To some extent, it lets you play in almost a fantasy version of the world we want to be living in, where everyone, you are you and you're not defined by your race or your religion or the part of the country you live in or, or, or whatever the case. I Another strength? Ah, geez, I'm trying to think here. I really wish I, <laughs> I, I told you I'm the worst person to talk about fifth edition. So I will say this. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there. I think that the variety of characters is also a drawback in my book as a dungeon master, and this is solely based on my Pathfinder experience. And the reason is, is because it seemed that more books were coming out for 3.5 and Pathfinder to sell to not just a DM but to a player. And with each addition to player rule sets, it became more complicated and it became harder for me to DM. That's 100% was, has been one of my hesitations on because I've ran Pathfinder, I ran third, and that's how I kind of felt leaving them. Like, yeah, well, there's a lot of options, but like, do they have to have mechanical impacts? Can't we still do these same things without that many times we have to look it up in a rule book? So that's mechanically based, though. But this is one of those things where if you're going to have that many options and they're lying on mechanics, that does impact the mechanics. Yeah, this is one where the mechanics, um, the genre is connected to the mechanics. The genre is very, the, the genre is very intentionally open, and that intentional openness opens the door for lots of things you can play, and opens the door for lots of ability for the publisher to generate revenue by creating additional product. And I say that in no negative way. We want these companies to make money and stay open to, 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 to do these things. We, we're happy to do that. And so, but the, that there you have the genre and the mechanics kind of working together. And you're right, that creates a negative because it definitely creates more stuff for the game master or the, the dungeon master, if you're playing regular D&D, to... And I, I'm saying if you play regular, yes, we're talking about D&D as a genre, but you can play the genre of D&D without playing D&D. There's other games besides D&D, um, like Fantasy Age, for example, by Green Ronin, which has is a very much in the 5e genre of fantasy, but it's a different game if you want to play D&D with a different game. But yeah, the complexity is, is something that um, is tougher for game masters. One of the things that I want to point out is there is a big difference between just the business model of older D&D and modern. By the time second edition comes out, they can start putting out what they call splat books, but a lot of companies focus on putting out adventures for game masters, which isn't going to sell as many books. And that makes a slight difference there. Number one, sure. how much you can make off of it. But I think that's something that we should focus on on a future episode, because I, I want to talk about this a little more, <laughs> more in the fifth edition. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please leave us a positive review where you're listening. And those of you that have, I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. We're pretty active on there. I am on Twitter at Logar Crom. You can check out our blog, wobbliesandwizards.com. And we have a Patreon. We could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards, of course. And as always, keep those dice rolling. And thanks so much for listening.